This is Diana Cordy with Book Talk. My guest is debut novelist Laura Spence Ash, author of Beyond That, the Sea. As German bombs fall over London in 1940, working-class parents Millie and Reginald Thompson make an impossible choice. They decide to send their 11-year-old daughter, Beatrix, to America. There she'll live with another family for the duration of the war, where they hope she'll stay safe. Laura is Zooming with me today from her home in New Jersey. Laura, welcome to Book Talk. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. What's happening as your book opens up? So the prologue of the book actually is from the 60s when she's looking back and remembering her time in the States. And then when the book proper begins, we are in England with the family there, with the parents and Beatrix, their daughter, and they have just made the choice to send her to the States during the war. So in essence, the inciting incident of the book happens before the book even begins. And everything else in the book is sort of what happens because of that choice that they had to make. What happens next? Once she's on the boat and arriving in in U.S. So it's a difficult time, as you might imagine, right? To this very suddenly be told that you, an 11-year-old girl, are going to be sent on a boat by yourself across the Atlantic. And then to live with a family that you don't know, that live in a very different way that you live. She's from middle-class London. She lives in a flat. Um, and here she's living in a town south of Boston with the Gregories and in you know, a big house to her, an enormous house um, with a lot of land. The father teaches at a local school, and that's where she goes to school with the two boys in the family, William and Gerald. Um, she's a shy girl, so it takes her a minute to sort of understand how this family works and to get acclimated. But she does. She spends a wonderful five years with them and really becomes part of their family. When did the research for this book begin? So many, many years ago, 25 years ago, in mm-hmm. fact, I read an article in the New York Times about a group of older British adults who came back to see where they had been during the war. And I had no idea that that children were sent so far afield and often sent alone. And that just stuck with me. My kids were small at the time. They were one and five. And I couldn't imagine making that choice myself, right? And I also couldn't imagine what it would be like to be on the receiving end, to say, yes, bring this this child into our home and become part of our family. And I just kept thinking about it and thinking about it. I wasn't really writing at the time, but I just was fascinated. And I started reading all sorts of different things and doing research. I went to the Imperial War Museum in London and got a real sense of what it was like to live in London during the Blitz. Um, and how insistent the government was on getting children out of London. Most of the children, of course, went to the country, but that was just all fascinating. And then what happened was I read a memoir by a man who had been sent to a town south of Boston. And it turned out completely coincidentally that that was the town where I went to high school. And in fact, he and I went to the same school. And of course, our experiences were completely different, but I was a boarding school student there. And so I knew what it felt like to be far from my family, to be in that place. And all of a sudden I had a setting and I had a place. I knew that whatever I was going to be writing about, if I was going to be writing about this, would would happen there in that town. And everything else just kind of blossomed out of that. Once I had the setting and I understood that, it just all kind of grew out of that. You write the story from eight points of view. 
instead of a single storyteller. Why did you do it that way? And was that your original plan? Not my original plan. I, when I originally started, which was around maybe 2008, 2009, I thought it would all be from her perspective, from the point of view of Beatrix. I was always interested in exploring it over time. I wanted to understand the impact of a choice like that over the lifetime of somebody. But I thought it was her story and I thought that's how I would write it. And I got up to about page 100 and it just, it just wasn't working for me. It wasn't the right way to tell the story. So then I thought, let me tell it from Beatrix and then also from William and Gerald's points of view. So the three children at the start. And there too, I got up to about a page 100. And there too, I felt like it just wasn't the right way to tell the story. In the interim there, I went and got an MFA. And I in my MFA, I wrote a short story about two people, a couple that took place over 30 years. And the story pinged back and forth between those two people. And because it was a short story, it's just sort of paragraph by paragraph, we move forward in time. And but I loved writing that story. I liked the way that story turned out. And I thought, let me see, maybe this is a way I can do this, because I can then have way more points of view if I'm writing in these very short snippets. And once I started writing in that format, using all these different points of view and jumping from one person to the next, that's when I felt like I'd found the way to tell the story. And I wrote it very quickly. Once I figured that out, it just took me a really long time to figure that out. Oh, it's a delightful way to tell a story. It's really fun to write too, right? Like, because I was always, you know, jumping into somebody else and thinking about where they were in time and what was happening to them and their perspective on it. So it was wonderful. Yeah, it really, it really is. And I noticed you put your quote marks merely, I say merely, in italics. Like they're all part of the flow. Why did you do it that way? So when I was writing these, I wasn't really thinking of them as chapters. I was really thinking of them as moments, almost memories in the making. It's written in present tense. Most of the book is written in present tense. And I wasn't really thinking of them as scenes or chapters. I was just thinking of trying to capture a moment for this person, an important moment that usually is not a big moment. It's usually a small moment. Often it's something before or after something big happening. And I just wanted dialogue to be one of the things reflected in that moment, just the way what they see, what they feel, what they hear, just dialogue would be something else. Because I wasn't constructing fully developed scenes, there wasn't the dialogue didn't happen the way you would normally have it in a longer chapter or a scene. So it felt right to just put it within the body of a paragraph. It did. It works. Why did you pick this title beyond that to see? So it's from a Virginia Woolf quote that I love. And I would love to read that if I may. So the quote is from the waves and it's in the beginning. There was the nursery with windows opening onto a garden and beyond that, the sea. And I've, I've long loved that quote because for me, it's sort of the unfurling of a life, right? That you start, you know, in the beginning, in the nursery, and then you sort of grow out, you go through the window, the garden, and beyond that, the sea. And for me, by the time I was done with this book, I felt like for most of these characters, that's what we see. We see the sort of unfurling of each of these lives. And so I love that that's, quote, reflected that. And then, of course, I love the fact that sea is in there because the sea is so important to this book. It's the thing that separates these two families. It's the thing Beatrix has to travel 
back and forth across um, to see both families that she's a part of. Thank you. My guest is Laura Spence-Ash, author of Beyond That, The Sea, published by Celadon Books. This is Diana Cordy with Book Talk. Yeah, this was wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it.